you're going, please get signed up as soon as possible. Um, we don't want to hold up 30 spots if 30 people from our church aren't going. So uh, if, if we need to make that determination for renting the van, all the things it takes to get to Chicago and back and those things. So make sure you see Lowell and Cheryl about that trip. It's a wonderful time. All the people that are in EDGE, if you need ministry hours, uh, the trip there, the time you're working, and the trip home, all of those hours count. So hello, somebody. And remember, um, there, there's 10 hours of your semester that are for a grade in actual ministry. So... Uh, that's very important. You can knock it out and, and get it done, and, and Lowell will keep up with that for us. Also, next week, everybody say next week. Baptisms are happening. Amen. And so uh, we're going to be pushing the service to get done with everything we do about 1130 so we can start the baptisms. We have 10 people getting baptized next week. Amen. <laughs> So we're just wanting you to know that our, our plan is around 11.30 to start with the baptism part of the service. And so uh, uh, if you've got family that's wanting to come, but maybe they go to a different church and they want to do theirs and come see baptism and those things, just kind of put that on your schedule loosely to let everyone know. Amen. And that's the things that are happening. So a lot to look forward to. Amen. Who's ready for the message? Okay. You think you are. Hey. <laughs> Um, I'll be uh, obviously preaching next Sunday. The, the fourth part today is part three. But my wife is going to be preaching on the 20th, the fifth part. Amen. Let's give her a hand for that. Um, and her and I have been working on her message. And I promise it's a blessing and a challenge all at the same time. So uh, those are going to be some things to look forward to in the, in the coming weeks for sure. Um, so I want you to turn with me again in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you're moving there, you can get to verse 10 real quick. I want to read the scripture and pray and then, and then make a little comment. Hello, somebody. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our heart. The receiving of our lives. We thank you for the seed of the Word of God. We also thank you for the gift of marriage, Lord. Through marriage, you are challenging the gates of hell. And so, God, we want to receive this part of the Scripture as powerfully as we would any other. And so our hearts are ready. Speak to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Why preach on marriage? It's a good question. Amen? I think it needs to be stated publicly in the sense that it's not just something this church does traditionally every year. It's one of our six main sermon series we do. We have uh, Renewing Our Vision. We have our, our Easter sermon series. We have uh, our marriage sermon series. We have our Christmas sermon series. Uh, we, we speak to dads at Father's Day, mothers at, at Mother's Day. I mean, we, we, we do all kinds of series that happen. There's about six months out of our church calendar every year that's dedicated to these particular things that we feel like God speaks to in our ministry, and they become a heartbeat of who we are. Amen? And out of those things flow the life of this ministry. And I need you to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is demonstrated to a lost and dying world 
through marriages as much as it is anything else. And if that wasn't true, the devil wouldn't seek to destroy marriages so much. When the Bible says in the beginning God married the, do you understand the book, the book that you hold in your hand, it begins with a marriage. And it ends with a marriage. So when we preach about marriage, we are challenging the pits of hell. And so, hello somebody. I know it ticks the devil off. And I know it might bore some super religious Christians. And I might get nasty emails about it. But what's new? That's right. But you know what? I am, my resolve is more than ever now. That if the book opens with a marriage and ends with a marriage, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is, in, is projected by marriage. To, there's not a person on planet earth that isn't affected by marriage. It might be a good idea to preach on marriage. It might be just a good idea. It might be a little one, a little good idea, but... So now I'm off my soapbox and here we go. Amen? My wife and I came to saving faith because of marriage. My, my family is saved today because our marriage, God healed it. Um, so the pits of hell are, are angry when we speak on this subject. And so we, we focused on this idea, this theme, to give us something to see in our mind. I, I try to do that every year with the, the illustrations for marriage, just so we don't forget the message. Obviously, you see something, you don't forget it. And, uh, you know, we're talking about this theme, this idea of a masterpiece. Um, and, and it's an incredible thing. Uh, uh, Tim and Lynette are going to be gone for the month. They're going to be traveling all, you know, all over uh, the Western world and some areas. To, and they'll see some masterpiece. And I was like, oh, they're going to go to Rome. And I was like, oh, are you going to go get to see, you know, St. Peter's? Now, my wife and I were in London, and we got to see uh, St. Paul's Cathedral. The building itself is a masterpiece. It's unbelievable, the things there. Uh, Tim said, well, we might get to see the Colosseum. And I was like, oh, come on. Even though it's a ruin, it's still... Our, our minds get struck by a symbol that takes us back or takes us in awe of this thing. Now, my, my question to us this morning as I set this scene is, when you think of a masterpiece, you instantly think of its value. I mentioned the Mona Lisa last week, and, and the value, is, I mean, you know, just the insurance policy, the value, but it's invaluable. There's only one. It's invaluable. My, my wife is going to hit on that a little bit on the 20th about women, wives. There's, can you imagine the life that Adam and Eve must have lived for hundreds of years? And that Adam and Eve in their travels in the world may have walked through a village hundreds of years old. And people in that village may have never met them. And they may have seen Eve for the very first time. She was the one. Can you imagine? She's the mother of us all. 
there's nothing created like her. You see, God creates Adam in his image and his likeness. Is that what God did? And then God looks at his image and likeness, and it's the only thing that he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Wait, I thought Adam was complete. And so what God does is he creates woman, but not like he created man. He created man out of the dust of the earth in his image and likeness. But when he creates woman, he divides his image into two people because he creates Eve from Adam, who is his image. And now you cannot see the purest image of God without man and woman. And the perfect thing about this is when man and woman start to have children, you see the Trinity. It's a beautiful thing. And, and so when we talk about the value of a masterpiece, we look at how unique it is. When the Bible says that woman is the glory of man. Hey, ladies, y'all didn't help me. When you think of a masterpiece, you instantly think of its value. Like how and where it's displayed speaks of its value. Where it's displayed speaks of its priority. There's nothing next to the Mona Lisa in the Louvre. How it's treated speaks of its value. What it takes to even see it, like to be there in person, to be in the presence of a masterpiece, speaks of its value. When I asked if anybody ever been uh, to, and seen the Mona Lisa in person, no one raised their hand. Why? Because you'd have to travel all the way to France. To, that would take money and time. Hello, somebody. To be in its presence speaks to its value. The reason you haven't done it is because of the cost it would take to be. Come on, somebody. Have you ever thought about what would rob that masterpiece of its value? Like, what would ruin a masterpiece? Like, just recently we saw crazy people trying to make a point... By trying to ruin masterpieces. Well, see, what would ruin a masterpiece? Simply how you treat it. So if our marriages are God's masterpieces, how we display it speaks to its value. If our marriages are God's masterpieces, then how we treat it speaks to its value. Is it, is it no wonder to all of us that marriage is one of the most disposable things in our society? What it takes to be present in a marriage speaks to its value. Can I ask you a question? Married people, can just in your mind, you don't... Please, maybe you shouldn't. I should probably put a disclaimer. This is a rhetorical question. <laughs> What's the silliest thing that you and your spouse have thought about lately? 
Uh, Donna, you laughing. Why, why are you laughing? <laughs> she said, because it was stupid. Dad, have, you, have you thought about a fight that you've had? And at the end of it, when it was all over, you just look at yourself and go, was that really that big of a deal? Like, why did that seem so important in the moment? Like, I mean, I, my wife and I talk about some of the things that we used to fight. We laugh about it now. It's just like, that used to, that used to bring out the D word. That used to bring out the attitude of I quit or what's the use. That used to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just the silliest stuff. How could something so insignificant cause such a huge fight? Go, church. Now, here's the reality. Can I bless you? All couples fight. Everybody go, whew. I thought it was just me. No, all couples fight. It's inevitable. All couples fight. It's unavoidable. Uh, all couples experience what is inherent in any relationship where true intimacy happens. All couples fight. Sure they do. Maybe not Doug and Nancy. And Doug said, I, Nancy tried to pick a fight with me. I was just too tired. I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> All couples fight. It just happens. It don't matter. How, and it has nothing to do with whether you love each other or don't love each other. Or the amount of love. All couples just do it. It's, it's, it's what happens, right? Like, but healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Well, what's the difference, Pastor Don? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to put it up front. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for personal victory. Now I'm blessing you. This is why the gates of hell don't like this. Because when husband or wife start living right, come on, the kingdom of darkness knows that there's a threat. We can get so stuck on having to be right that it makes any conflict unwinnable. Come on, somebody say amen. Let me just say this to you. It's just an old country boy who, who learned some things the hard way. I usually learn most things the hard way. If you win every fight but destroy your marriage in the process, what have you really won? Nothing. Not a thing. Not a thing. I can watch couples fight. And within five minutes, I can tell you whether they're going to stay married or not. Man, we had a couple in our office. Man, we were doing discipleship. I'm not, I mean, like we were doing counseling. Discipleship, that's what really needs to happen. <laughs> counseling. And man, they were at each other. My wife looked at me and she said, are you going to stop this? I was like, nope. Yeah. Because here's the deal. They're on their best behavior in my office. If you think it's bad in my office, can you imagine how bad it is at home? Y'all did. 
No, I'm going to let them fight. And we did. Didn't say a word for about 20 minutes. Man, they went at it. Interesting. When they were done, you know what the question I asked them? You want to be married or not? They said, yeah. I said, so how much did all of that matter? If all couples fight, healthy couples fight with respect for each other. Both people working towards a solution. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You have been angry? You have been angry at your spouse? And you're like going to get them. You have been so angry at your spouse that even when you started to pray, whether you're like, God, get them. You have, been, you have been so angry at your spouse, but you wanted to pray for your spouse. And you're like, Lord, you better touch them before I do. Just praying, praying for God to touch you because, whoo, it's about to go down. Pentecostals are the worst because they like laying hands on each other. The name of Jesus. Both people just standing there laying hands on each other in the name of Jesus. And the Lord's like, I ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> Can I say this to us? I think it's time to redefine what winning means in marriage. What if winning in marriage meant that at the end of every fight, you're closer to each other than you were when you started fighting? How do I get there? Let me, let me give you a little, couple of tips. The scripture says we're God's masterpiece. But James encourages us to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Slow to get angry. Can I take those three things for just a few minutes? Just talk about them. Y'all better get ready because we're going to take the devil off. Might even take a couple of people off. Can I just say three tips for fighting fair? I don't want to overwhelm you with a lot of stuff, but let's just kind of move in that direction. Quick to listen. Tough, man. Come on. It's tough. Why? Because you got something to say. I always got something to say. don't mean it's right, or that it blesses anybody. I ain't afraid to say something. I'm just not afraid to say something. Now, oftentimes I regret that I said something. And there's a scripture for that. I'm going to get to it in a little bit. I'm not the fastest to listen because I already got an opinion, an idea. You ever notice how disagreements quickly escalate? Man, how did they go from zero to 1,000 miles per hour that fast? And the problem is I'm super quick to do my part in escalating it. Sure I am. Listen, here's couples. Listen, here's couples. 
If he gets rude, she gets rude. That's couples. If they get loud, they get loud. Come on. That's couples. If she gets critical, he gets critical. You call my mama name, I'll call your mama name. And they ain't good enough. We're moving to grandmama's next. And we go to great grandmama, we can just go down the line. We got no great grandmama. Just kicking the can down the road. But that's the opposite of what the Bible says that our part's supposed to be. The Bible says we're supposed to be quick to listen. How many of you agree that's difficult? Come on, married people, it's difficult to be quick to listen. You see, because most of the time when I know my wife and I are about to have one of those intense fellowship moments, I go into that moment presupposing how I've won the argument. I plan this thing out. She's going to say this, I'm going to say that. She's going to say this, I'm going to say that. And I'm going to win. I done thought this thing through. The problem is she don't ever say what I expected her to say. As soon as you realize your spouse is upset, that's the time to get laser focused on what's actually being said. It's tough to ignore tone, isn't it? It's, it's, it's tough to ignore, ignore volume. It's tough to listen to the words when someone is at you. It's tough. I get it. It's a huge challenge for me. I, I, you know, I love everybody and all those things. But I, and, and God's given me a love for the community he's put me in and, and those things. And I realized in, in this particular community, in this area, there's a huge kind of Anabaptist ideology and you know, conflict we don't do. And we just got those things. That, that, no, Don wasn't raised that way. My brother and I had issues with each other. My dad put us in the front yard. Go take care of it. Come see me when you're done. Now, I'm not suggesting we should do that with our boys. <laughs> but there's many times when my brother and I came back and we didn't look the same as we did when we went out there. It's a huge challenge for me, not only that, my wife says, you love conflict. I don't love conflict. I would prefer to have a peaceful week where no one gets upset with me. But I got a lot of irons in the fire. You got a lot of irons in the fire? Come on, husbands and wives, you got a lot of irons in the fire? You got work, chores, finances. You got your responsibilities, kids, those type of things. You got, you got your spouse. You got all the, you got a lot of irons in the fire. Come on. I got a lot of irons in the fire. Last Tuesday, I showed up for prayer at 7 a.m. I went home at 8.30 p.m. I got a lot of irons in the fire. You've done that. You've pulled all day. You've done, you know what I'm saying? got a lot of irons and you know what and now I got to go home and you know deal with the little woman it's hard to focus on just one thing isn't it it's a challenge for me but you know what the trouble is 
with having a lot of irons in the fire? You know what the trouble is and the struggle is for having a lot of, of things that pull me here, there, and, and, and everywhere? You know what the trouble I know what the trouble is. I know, I know what happens. You know what it does? Ultimately, it robs Lisa of value. What robs a masterpiece of its value? If no one is present, if no one is paying attention, if no one is focusing, does it have value? If it's left to its own, come on. And, and that robs Lisa of value. And regardless of how I feel about Lisa, my actions always demonstrate whether I place priority on her or not. We should listen to each other, and it's tough. Especially when you sense that tension. Come on, dudes, every dude in this room knows you, don't, you can walk in a room. Your wife don't have to say nothing. She don't have to look at you. You can walk in the room and feel the tension. You're just like, you know my first question is? Who did it? Because I just need to know, am I about to die? No, you didn't do it. So and so, great, I'm, I'll preach your funeral. I'm, as long as I get to live, I'm good. You can do that. So how about your luck? There's been plenty of times where I came home from work and, and I would walk in the house and my wife would be standing and I could just feel it. You could just feel it, right? And she would just look at me and she said, you're going to go back there and deal with those kids. And I was talking to her room, just going like, all right, so we're going to die. We're going quick death or slow death. Which one do you want? We've, we've all been there, and it's trouble. Hey, wives, the same way, right? You can tell when your husband is wrestling with stress or, or those type of things, and maybe he's, he's not happy about something or whatever's going on. And, and you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be slow to listen because you just, you just don't want to hear his whining. Just grow up. Be a man. I remember one time I was whining about something. My wife looked at me and said, you know, it's, it's probably time you grow a little hair on your chest or something. I don't know what to tell you. And she walked away. <laughs> Just, that's it. That's all I get. Yeah, I don't have time for that immaturity. I just want to share. Now, what, Le- what Lisa and I have learned to do is come to each other when we really need to share what's going on and just say, hey, I need to share my heart with you. That's key for, hey, can you just listen? Can you just listen? See, that's, that's code that regardless of what my wife is about to say, whether I'm going to like it or not, she, she's probably not as interested in what she's having to talk about as she is in whether I am listening to what she's saying. I will often say, okay, do I need to fix something? <laughs> Are we done? What's my responsibility? I don't need you to fix anything. I just need you to listen. Great, now I know exactly what's... Come on, somebody. Ladies, if your husband is being vulnerable enough to come to you and just say, hey, I just need to share my heart for a minute. You know the best way to listen? Shut up. I said it in church. I'm sorry. I just, don't say nothing. Slow to speak. 
Number two, couples who fight fair are quick to listen and slow to speak. Couples who fight dirty are just the opposite. They're slow to listen and quick to speak. Proverbs 18, 2 should be highlighted in everybody's Bible, especially every man's Bible. It says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinion. Let me give you PD's translation. Are you ready? I really don't care what you're saying, but let me tell you what I think. This happens a lot during arguments, doesn't it? Come on, somebody say amen. I don't really care what you're saying. Let me tell you what I think. We just got some important thought. We just got some position that we think is critical for the other person to understand. And usually our focus comes, it it comes back to, to what we want to share. And we stop listening. We're just waiting for the next person to slow down and maybe pause so we can interrupt. You ever, you ever try to talk to somebody and they, they're constantly interrupting you? They're not interested in what you got to say. They're just waiting for you to stop so they can say what they got to say. Let's not do that as husbands and wives to each other. Like, let's take the time to fight. You ever fought with your, your spouse and you just want to fight and get it over with? You see, I'm just going to make a suggestion here. Why don't we just slow down and take the time to fight? That way we can slow down and take the time to make up. I'm going to get an email about that later because somebody will get it. (laughs) My problem is most of the time in marriage, I just want to make my point. I just want to win. And you know what the scripture teaches me? That's just foolish and that's not fighting fair. It's not. What's the best way to be slow to speak? Come on, y'all say it with me. Just shut up. Stop talking. Proverbs 21, that ought to be highlighted in every, every person's Bible, especially men. It says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. It's in the book. I promise you it's right there. How many times have you said something and got in trouble and thought, I should have just kept my mouth shut? That's Bible. It's, it's right there. It's Bible. I don't have a trick Bible. It is in the book. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Y'all know the little proverb, right? Even a fish wouldn't get in trouble if he kept his mouth shut. What a great verse. Let me watch it. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of What a great verse. Right? It might not be a great verse to quote to your spouse. <laughs> a great verse to learn, to learn. <laughs> this is my Bible, so it's speaking to me. It's not speaking to my wife. It's my Bible. Slow down and think before you speak. Now, that can seem obvious, but it's hard to do, isn't it? Come on, it's so hard. When you're in a moment, it is hard to do. But I promise you that when you do it, there are extraordinary benefits. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
I, I can remember there at the time, and I've told this story before, you know, my wife and I were coming back from Louisville. It's five, you know, four and a half, five hours. And, and my, at the start of that trip, my wife just, we got in the car and we, we got on the interstate and we were on um, 65 there and we were, we're coming north and she said, look, I, I, need to, I need to say something and I don't, want, I don't want you to say anything until I'm done. I don't want, I don't want you to say a word. I, I need to say something and I don't want you to say nothing until I'm done. Four and a half hours late. Hello, somebody. There's an issue that I was struggling with. There's an issue that I was personally struggling with trusting the Lord over. And she says to me, she said, I've, I've watched you walk into a room where people had no faith about something the Lord had spoken and, and, and watched you help those people grab faith to believe God for it. I've watched you lead the leadership team to believe God for, for the things God has spoken to us, to believe God not only for tools to work the ministry, but money to, to the resources. I've seen people come into a room and, and not have faith for it and leave there. You, you can help people believe and trust God. I've seen you do it over and over and over and over again. And she listed out all kinds of, just to drag it out four and a half hours, all of those scenarios. And she said, but your problem is you don't trust God in this scenario. And until you do, you're going to remain a miserable man. Now every husband is blessed by this conversation. And she said, I'm sick of seeing you be miserable. Don't say nothing, I ain't done. <laughs> you don't believe God. Hello, somebody. The best thing I could have done in that moment was not say nothing for four and a half hours. To listen. To listen, slow to speak. I was quick to listen, slow to speak, and she was absolutely right. And, and, and when I got before the Lord about it, then God began to move. How, how do I do this, Pastor Don? Let me just quickly give you some things that not only do we suggest to couples in marriage counseling and those type of things, but something we've learned in our own, right? right? Ask yourself two questions. Does what I'm thinking need to be said out loud? Huh? Yeah, I'm couples, right? Couples. Does what I'm thinking need to be said out loud? That's a great question. Because the truth is sometimes, no, 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 it doesn't. The next question is, does what I'm thinking need to be said right now? When we, when we lived over here in the little white house uh, over here uh, in Centerville, uh, I had a shed out there with some things. And my wife kept telling me, she's like, hey, you should lock that door. All my tools and stuff were in there. And I was like, nah, it's Centerville. Nobody messes with anything in Centerville. Or right here in town, nobody messes with anything. And so I would never lock the door. And, and she would tell me, you should lock that door. You should lock that door. And anyway, one morning I was getting ready to take TC to school. And, and I walked outside and, and guess what? The, the doors were open and all of my tools were gone. And I walked back in the house and I, I was just like, um, 
Hey, just need you to know somebody broke into the shed. All the tools are gone. You know what my wife said? I told you that was cut, right? Like, that was before I <laughs> and, I, and I looked at it and I was like, great, sweetheart. That's exactly what I need right now from you. And she did. She said, you know what? You're right. That did not need to be said out loud, and it did not need to be said right now. So now I think it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Even this weekend, I got to hurry. Even this, this weekend, right? My, I'm a farm boy. I grew up with critters. I know how to take care of the critters, right? And, and, and you know, my wife loves this little dog, and, and it's at the house there, Fiona, and she's... Yeah, I, I, I like the dog, right? Like, and so there's a particular treat, though, that the dog likes that my wife doesn't necessarily like to give her unless somebody's paying attention because she could get choked on it. And I'm like, look, it's a dog, okay? They, they live in the wild. They do just fine. Just anyway, so uh, while she was gone this weekend, right, I got all the rules about taking care of the dog. <laughs> I mean, you think she left the kid with me. Water the dog, feed the dog, take the dog out. I get text message, did you take the dog out? I'm like, I got this. So, you know, the dog's missing mom or whatever. So I think, oh, mom always gives her this particular treat. I'll make her happy. I gave her this treat. So the dog is chewing on this treat for a little bit. And it's never happened in the life of the dog. The dog gets the treat stuck in its throat. And now the dog can't breathe. And all I'm saying, I called Brian. I'm like, dude, you better pray if this dog dies while my wife is gone. I'm next, right? Like, she's going to kill me, right? So I'm, I'm working on this dog. The dog can't breathe. You know, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? The How do you do the Heimlich on a dog? How do, what is going on? So I'm on the phone with the vet, and the vet's on the floor, and I, I'm trying to get the dog to breathe, and, and the vet's like, what's going on? I'm like, it's got a treat stuck in its mouth. It can't breathe. And I, so I just stick my finger down the dog's throat. Right, pull out this chunk of stuff and the dog pukes all over everything. And instantly the dog starts breathing. That's just this weekend. And my first thought is not I'm glad the dog's okay. My first thought is, thank you, Jesus, the dog didn't die. What my watch. So I rushed the dog up to the vet, and I wasn't even going to tell my wife, but we both get notices on our phone when money happens with a debit card, and I know instantly my wife's going to see a charge to the Sturgis vet, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to explain this? She's going to be in the middle of a meeting going, I knew it, I knew it! Treats are now out of the house. They no longer exist. <laughs> I called Brian on the way back from the vet. He's like, man, how's the dog? I'm like, oh, she's 100% better. Thousand running around. She's doing her thing, right? She never, she had no idea. She just about died. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm glad you're not going to die either. <laughs> just going to write grace over that. <laughs> Come on, guys. Is that marriage? I text Bo, and I'm like, dude, I hit a deer on the way home from the gym. <laughs> my, my wife's dog almost died on my watch. I'm just sitting in the basement hiding now, hoping the house don't fall in on top of me. 
She said, get back. And the house could fill in as long as the dog's alive. She'd been fine. <laughs> Stay focused on topic and the solution will always be what's best for the marriage. Is that all right? Come on, I'm slow. Uh, I'm, you know, right, like my ears are open and, and I'm slow to speak. Now, I want to address this last one because I think there needs to be some biblical emphasis put in it. It says slow to anger, slow to anger, slow to... What if anger is an opportunity? I am not the man that my wife married. I was an incredibly angry man. In a fight one time before we were Christians, I drove one of our cars into the other car. Kids can remember it. In the back car. What if anger is an opportunity? You know what emotions do? They tell us right where the heat is. Come on. See, when you're angry, you have to ask yourself, why is this bothering me so much? Why, why is this bothering me so much? As a spouse, why, why am I angry about this? Lisa and I have learned to let our personal anger be a neon sign from God pointing to where we need the Holy Spirit to get involved in our marriage. Listen, you got two type A personalities. We love Jesus. We go into heaven. We love who we are as pastors of the church. And we love each other. Hello, somebody. But there are times where we get upset with one another. Come on. That's why I can say that anger might just be an opportunity. Where does the Holy Spirit need to get involved in our marriage? Do you know you can validate your spouse's feelings without even agreeing with them? Feelings are real. Never going to tell you you don't or shouldn't feel. Never going to tell you... You don't feel that way. Sure you do. You feel that way. You feel that way. Now, why you feel that way, let's talk about that. There's no sense in getting mad at your spouse because you got feelings. There's no sense in getting, your spouse, getting mad at your spouse because they got feelings. They can't help that any more than you can. You want to defuse a time bomb in your marriage? Start with, what, start with this statement. What I hear you saying is... What I hear you saying is, doesn't mean you agree, it just means you're listening. Hello, somebody. When I left my shoes on the floor, it made you feel like I didn't value your cleaning the house. That's what I hear you saying. When I was late and didn't let you know, it made you feel like I didn't value your time. That's what I hear you saying. The best way married people can become slow to anger is by communicating regularly and honestly when you're not in conflict. The national statistics for the, the men of minutes couples communicate per day. Are you ready? Even the best couples is 16 minutes a day. Out of a 24-hour period, couples, the average statistics of time communicated per day, 16 minutes. Are you ready? The first four minutes when you wake up, the last four minutes before you leave each other for the day. The first four minutes when you see each other again. 
and the last four minutes before you go to sleep. And you got to get everything, everything, everything done in that 16 minutes. And it's no wonder that people show up in my office and say, we can't communicate. No, it's not that you can't, you just aren't. Let me show you this. The best time to work on your marriage is when you are not in conflict. How do I do that, Pastor Donald? I'm glad you asked. You guys got some good questions today. Carve out some time. Number one, carve out some time for each other. This is the most difficult thing in the world to do, and I'm with you. I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm walking with you on this journey. Even after 30 years of marriage, it is still difficult to carve out time. Find time to close the door to the rest of the world. We all need to do better at that. Time for each other without the usual distractions. Number two, number two, express your gratitude to your spouse. How many times do you tell your spouse how thankful you are for them? Matter of fact, why don't you do this exercise? Write, write on a piece of paper with, and leave the paper blank. At the top of the piece of paper, ask this question. What are three things I do that bless you? If your spouse asks you that question, figure it out. Write it down and respond. This helps you learn the difference between what you think blesses them and why they actually receive blessings. Can I say number three? Offer some practical feedback. Okay? What are three things I could do to be an even bigger blessing to you? See, healthy couples fight clean towards resolution. Here are the ground rules. Are you ready? Now, I didn't put them up there, but my notes are available if you want to see them. If you have trouble getting my notes, you just let me know, right? Here's the ground rules. Do not call names. My wife's name is Lisa. More affectionately, Mujercita, which means little woman in Spanish. When I'm angry, guess what my wife's name is? Lisa. Anything else is dishonor. And why would I dishonor the masterpiece? If it has value, how I treat it dictates its value, right? Those type of things. Don't raise your voice. Number two. Uh, number three, don't get historical. Yeah, I didn't say hysterical. I said historical. Stop bringing up the past. Get over it. We always want to do that with each other. You remember when? You used to. You always. You did. Stop getting historical. How many times has that actually helped you find resolution to an argument you've had? Zero. Don't use words like never and always. It's just not true. You never take out the trash. It's not true. I did do it one time. (laughs) You always leave your shoes in the floor. It's not true. Most of the time. Just don't speak non-truths. 
here's number five is my favorite one you got to eliminate a word from your vocabulary when you get married from your dictionary from your thesaurus from your way of thinking you have to eliminate this word as a born-again believer who came and said i believe god has called us together he's given us each other as husband and wife he said what god has joined let no man make asunder like he's put us together till death do us part we said it you have to eliminate the word divorce from your vocabulary it does not exist. It's not an option. It's not an option. Now, you've been through it. Maybe there's people in here who have been through divorce. Listen, you don't have to repeat the same. Make a resolve. This is not even an option. Why we talk about it? Everybody's looking for an easy button or an easy way out. Stop. Just eliminate it. You know, our conversation changed when we decided that's not an option, so we better well talk about something else. And, and number six, do not quote the pastor during your fight. <laughs> Especially if you're the pastor's wife. people walk in my office in marriage trouble and expect me to take their side against their spouse i'm not on your side i'm on your marriage's side don't walk in there and ask me to pick side i ain't gonna do it it took both of you to get where you are and it's gonna take both of you to get where you belong you can quote me on that now i'm gonna close with this uh we had a lot going on today but i'm gonna move through this real quick here anger management (laughs) yeah (laughs) the reason I can speak on it is because I know slow to anger doesn't mean anger doesn't come just the opposite slow to anger means I should take my time to get there I used to scream and yell when I would get mad instantly Don didn't have a fuse it was boom there was no short fuse it was just boom Don just exploded I was an angry man now my wife knows instantly when I'm angry because I don't yell. I don't, I don't, I, I get very, very quiet. And my wife, I can come in and my wife's like, oh boy, who made you mad? Nothing, nobody, I'm good. What happened? Nothing, it's all right, it's all right. I'm just trying to take my time to get there. Listen, there are some things you're just going to have to learn to let go of, married person. There are some things you're just going to have to learn to let go of. Maturity requires us to admit there there are just some things that aren't worth fighting over. I just ain't going to fight about it. Men and women are different. And difference doesn't mean that we should allow those differences to turn into big issues. Ladies, ladies, let me give you a promise. You want your husband to be different than you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Don't tell me you don't. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I seen this guy who some woman was so violated because she was like, well, if, if you want a sandwich, do you expect your wife to make you a sandwich? And he was like, yeah, make daddy a sandwich. And she's like, wait a minute. He said, no, 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 no. If I'm your husband, do you expect me to open the door for you? If I'm your husband, do you expect me to go to work? If I'm your husband, do you expect me to be faithful? 
Yes, 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 yes. He said, you, you got all these things that you have no problems putting demands on. And I'm just saying, it's nice when my wife makes a sandwich for me. And he said, this is the problem with women's lib. It never allows you to stand in the value of what God has created you to do. Not that making a sandwich is the thing that fixes every marriage. Who cares? Dude, you can make your own sandwich. Remember, never quote the pastor in your fight. (laughs) I'm just saying, ladies, you want your husband to be different. Yes, you do. Guys, you want your wife to be different. Yes, you do. You do not want her to smell like you. I'm just helping you. You don't even know. If we're both the same, one of you is unnecessary. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You see, listen, it's not, that, it's not a sin to get angry. The verse implies that you will get angry. It's, it, the verse is telling us that it doesn't have to be immoral. I'm angry about what I read in Proposition 3. And every man in this room should be angry. Every... When they say they're going to eliminate statutory rape rules, which means that your 12-year-old daughter can have sex with her 45-year-old man as long as she agrees and you don't have any say-so over it, every man in this room says, pass the law and see what happens. When you're going to give up your... Oh. (laughs) I done almost went to jail over my daughter. I know what it's like to be on your way to jail because you're standing up for your ladies. I, it don't bother me a bit. Every man in this room, hello somebody. Listen, she, ask Brian Sneed. She was mine. We had a two-hour ice cream run one day. Remember that? That was Mine. And same thing to my son. Remember who she is when God brings her into your life. I remember telling TC one day, you told me that Sarah Schwartz was God's gift to you. You told me that to to my face. Do you still believe it? Yes. Every man ought to be violated. Hello, somebody. That's my soap. I can't, I'm not going to be in the voting box with you, but... I know that in the book of Nehemiah, he says, fight for your wives, fight for your daughters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Why, why, why would this mention sin at all? Because anger can lead us to sin. Somebody say amen. Yeah, it does, it's important that you do something with your anger that's proper. Don't give the devil foothold is the, is the theological idea. Don't let, your, don't let your anger give the devil spot in your life, right? Anger can cause you to leave issues unresolved, right? Anger can cause you to do stupid. Never make a decision when you're mad. It's always the wrong decision. You're trying to make a rational decision why you are irrational. It doesn't work. You can't do it. 
Anger can cause you to leave issues unresolved. A lot of couples have allowed unresolved issues uh, to end their marriage. Somebody say amen, right? And then here's a revelation for you. You didn't arrive where you are over just one disagreement. Leaving things unresolved is a sign that you're more interested in personal victory than you are marital harmony. And this is drift. It happens. It happens. And unresolved anger is an open door to bigger problems, right? Here's the truth about anger. It never helps you accomplish the righteousness of God. The simplest way to keep things from ever going this far is what we talked about last week. Pray together. It's the cornerstone habit. It's hard to fight and pray with the same person. It's hard to be intimate with God and live in ongoing bitterness and unforgiveness with your spouse. Let me tell you something, gentlemen. The Bible specifically says that if you mistreat your wife, God will not hear your prayer. It's in there. And so we all stand in a place where we say, help is wanted. (laughs) Help's wanted. You You got a big help wanted sign on the front of your marriage. What do couples fight about? You know what? Some couples, I literally have heard this. Some couples fight about the way one spouse chews food in public. One couple literally fought about their one spouse leaving trash in the car. One couple was fighting about coming home from the grocery store and founding their spouse watching porn. One couple was fighting about the other spouse having an affair. One couple was fighting about abuse and addictions. Can I say this? Relationships are messy. And one sermon series isn't going to be the answer. But I do believe that two people can find some way to seek God together. Learning to fight fair. And the presence of God can bring healing into that relationship like nothing else can. But it's up to you to take the first step. Somebody say amen. And if you don't think your marriage can be saved, I'd like to recommend to you something Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26. The Bible says, Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, with God all things are possible. And I'll say this, there is nothing that has happened in the marriage that with the help of the Holy Spirit and two people who are saved walking with Jesus cannot be healed from. Nothing. There's nothing. But it's going to require change. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm never the type of person who wants to doubt somebody's salvation. But sometimes I just want to ask people, are you saved? Are you a new creature in Christ? Because if you're saved, you shouldn't live the way you used to live. Are you saved? Are you see? Right? I'm not doubting people's salvation. I'm just going, "How how do saved people do that? Worship team, come on. Come on, worship team. Where's all this trouble come from, Pastor Don? Where's it all come from? John 10.10, you ever read it? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I believe he believes that about marriage. Can I say this to you, married person who are learning to fight fair You only have one enemy in this world, and it is not your spouse.
get focused on that. You are not my enemy. And I have said this before, and I say this to people all the time. Anything in my life that makes my wife my enemy has to go. It's got to go. She's not my enemy. I'm not going to be her enemy for you. Come on. I'm not going to be her enemy for things. I'm not going to be her enemy. The good news is you don't have to fight fair with the devil. Because with him, you're going to have to fight by winning in your marriage. Winning in your marriage. The only way to do that is to fight fair with your spouse. Look for resolution and restoration. The only way to do that is to fight fair with your spouse. Listen, whatever it takes, work through everything, even the hard things. Because, listen, a masterpiece is a masterpiece because of the value you put on it, the value you put on where it's placed, and the value you put on being in its presence. Is your spouse your masterpiece? They're God's. Is your marriage your masterpiece? It's God's. I'm helping somebody. Whatever it takes. That's what my wife and I just looked at each other one day and we said, whatever it takes, we're going to work through everything, even the hard times. If I ain't got nothing to eat, at least I won't be cold at night. Practice forgiveness. Practice, 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 practice forgiveness. Practice sacrifice. Learn to graciously give. Seek God together. Put Him first in everything. Don't fight with each other. Fight for your marriage. The marriage you both long for from this day forward. Come on. Where's your masterpiece? Stand with me. I know, I know it was long. I know it was long. But you know what? It's better than a three-hour session in Pastor Don's office. <laughs> Can I pray for us? Hey, Father, we love you. We often wonder, Father, how you're going to overcome the kingdom of darkness. God, something like the gift of marriage can be so overlooked in your strategic plan. But we understand, God, that when husbands and wives are healthy, families are healthy. And when families are healthy, the church is healthy because the church is made up of families. Nothing more powerful than the local church full of healthy people healthy marriages doesn't mean we won't struggle God but we want to lean into you in the times we do we want to trust you God especially in this area Lord where value has everything to do with it and God we understand that conflict in our lives often rob us of value in our marriage it makes us feel like we're not important or don't, don't matter help us God to start with our own heart to say I'd rather be in relationship than I would be right and watch the miracle resolutions that you have for us in that. So, Lord, we stand here and we worship you for a moment to just meditate. Let this word sink into our heart and into our life. God, seal this word in our hearts and lives. Seal it, God, so that the enemy can't steal it, the world can't choke it out. 
do what only you can do, Jesus. Come on, just sing it. I've seen its power unravel battles right in front of me. There's a faith that stands defiant. What if that's your marriage? Come on, come on, defiant against the world. Sends Goliath to his knees. Crushes every giant in its way. 